Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. How much do you pay for the pill? Sophie's is relatively cheap. I pay $22 for a three-month supply. I don't know why I take this specific brand. I was prescribed it years ago for my skin and contraception, and I've just never changed it. But Taylor's is not. I've been on the pill consistently for 14 years, thanks to some endo. Uh, But I recently did start a new pill, which comes in at a very, very cruel $90 per three months. Both of these medications essentially do the same thing. They stop an unwanted pregnancy with some accuracy. But both of them are not on the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. In fact, most of the contraceptive pills available here in Australia are not on the PBS. But why? Today we find out why some of the older contraceptive pills remain on the PBS when the new generation of the pill are not and whether that is changing anytime soon. But first, in news headlines for Tuesday, August 15. Four Australians are missing off the coast of Indonesia after bad weather hit the area while they were out on a speedboat. Elliot Foote, Steph Weiss, Will Teagle and Jordan Short were part of a group headed to a surf resort on Penang Island off of Aceh when they lost contact. Locals involved in the search holding on to hope the missing are OK, saying the boat is unlikely to have sunk and given the direction of the wind, they wouldn't have been blown out to sea. They reportedly have water and food with them, so will be OK for a few days. The woman who cooked the meal with suspected death cap mushrooms in it, killing three of her four guests in Victoria, has released a statement explaining what happened. Erin Patterson says she prepared beef wellington for her four elderly guests using a combination of button mushrooms bought from a local supermarket and dried mushrooms from an Asian grocer in Melbourne. Her children were not home at the time and when they ate the leftovers later on, they don't like mushrooms, so she scraped them off the meal. She explained that she herself was also unwell after eating the dish, ending up hospitalised with bad stomach pains and diarrhoea and put on a saline drip and a liver protective drug before being transported to another hospital on July 31. Matilda's penalty shootout hero Courtney Vine is expected to reject an offer to join a club in Europe and instead stay at home with Sydney FC. Vine has been offered a one-year contract to stay with the A-League Women's Champions, the winger being one of the few players in the Matilda squad who still plays exclusively at home in Australia, despite being in the sights of European clubs for her performance on the pitch with Sydney. The club is hoping her presence will lead to an increase in women taking up memberships at the club, aiming to crack four figures for the first time in their history. The wildfire on Maui has now been declared Hawaii's worst natural disaster as the death toll from the blaze is now just shy of 100. 
96 people have now been officially lost to the flames that tore through the tourist town of Lahaina last week, with crews of firefighters still battling flare-ups and rescuers searching through the ruins in the hopes of finding more survivors. Many locals are now sharing their stories of survival, one man saying he saw the flames coming so jumped out of his car and ran towards the ocean, returning later to find nothing more than a burned-out metal shell. He says some of his friends weren't so lucky. The tech bro cage fight is escalating into a war of words with Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg accusing Elon Musk of trying to get out of it. On threads, Zuckerberg posted Elon won't confirm a date, then says he needs surgery and now asks to do a practice round in my backyard instead. He went on to say if Elon ever gets serious about a real date and official event, he knows how to reach me. Musk hit back on Twitter calling Zuckerberg a chicken, writing he can't eat Chick-fil-A because that would be cannibalism. Zuckerberg says with Musk not committing to the fight, he's moving on and focusing on competing with people who take the sport seriously. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. When you take a look at the list of oral contraceptives available on the Pharmaceutical Benefits Scheme, there's a host of names that sound like they might be in a sweet circle of friends. Eleanor is there, so is Evelyn and Lynest, but there are a bunch of friends who haven't made it onto the PBS invite list. Yasmin's been cold-shouldered, as has Juliet and Brenda. Carolyn didn't manage to break into the group either, nor did Diane, Estelle, Layla, Chelsea or Jean. Yes, these are all names of oral contraceptive pills available here in Australia. So why have some oral contraceptive gals been allowed to join the list of other pharma-named brands on the PBS schedule, while others haven't? The combined oral contraceptive pill is still the most common choice for birth control among Australian women in 2023, despite a major push to shift to long-acting reversible contraception like the Implanon implant or the Depo-Provera injection. The pill is often cheaper and doesn't require anything to be injected into any part of you or inserted like an IUD. But while the pill remains popular, the newer generation of the birth control hasn't made it onto the pharmaceutical benefits scheme, which means the medication that may be better suited to you, that contains maybe a lower dose than those that came before and can have additional benefits like reducing acne for some and being less likely to cause weight gain for others, can be more expensive. In fact, only one pill has been added to the PBS in the last 20 years, Femtab, which was added in 2013. According to a Family Planning New South Wales report in 2013, the number of Australian women who receive benefits from the PBS for their pill dropped by 35% between 2003 and 2011, meaning many are choosing to pay out of pocket for a pill that better suits them. But while this may be an option for some... For those who are already struggling to make ends meet, adding another expense to the budget when another, maybe less suitable option will essentially do the same job but may have other side effects sometimes means there's no freedom of choice. 
Danielle McMullen is the Vice President of the Australian Medical Association. Danielle, why aren't there more contraceptive pills on the PBS? Yes, over many years, more and more oral contraceptive pills have been added to the market. And I think early on, some of you know, the original pills that were out were put through our PBS process and they're available there. And as newer ones have come out, it's interestingly, it's actually up to the drug company, the pharmaceutical manufacturer, to apply to the PBS to be listed there, both from a needs basis and that cost-benefit kind of analysis. And surprisingly, a number of those newer medications, their owner company just hasn't applied to the PBS to, to put them on the list. Do we know why that's the case? Is it just too much of a process for them? Is it better for them to have their medicines out there on the private market instead? Do we have a reasoning for that? Well, I think there's probably a variety of reasons and it'll be different for each company. And some of them, patients will be interested to know that even some of the private medications actually don't cost any more than the PBS one. So just because it's private doesn't necessarily mean that it's expensive. But for some of the more expensive pills, I know it can be a challenge for for women if that is the pill that suits them best uh, and it hasn't made it onto that list. Can we Talk about how much some of these pills cost. Like what's the range of a pill that is on the PBS as opposed to those that aren't? As a GP who sees women with uh, questions about contraception every day, it's one of my pet favourite topics, uh, cost can be a factor that we have to take into account. Now, of course, we try and look at everything else first. So of course, the first big question is, is the pill even the right option? Uh, and we know we've got lots of contraceptive options, including some of the longer acting ones that are just as effective and on the long term, much cheaper than any of the pills. But then if we're talking about an oral contraceptive pill, the range can be enormous. So some of our older, cheaper prescription pills can be as little as about 13 to $16 for four months. And then some of the more expensive end, we're looking up around that $85 mark for the similar three or four months. So there is a big difference in cost and the PBS is only one factor in those. And it's part of the decision to be made when we're choosing a pill or when switching a pill if, if the first one doesn't suit. If someone has a concession card, because I know that those on the PBS, they can get their contraceptive pills for just a couple of dollars sometimes for those three months or four months. Does a concession card work for those who have to pay out of pocket in full for those pills? Yes, you make a good, excellent reminder there that, yes, for women who've got a concession card, that drops any that are on the PBS, uh, it drops that cost to about $5.60 for the three or four months, depending on how big the box is. That then does make a, a huge difference, but that only applies to PBS medications. So ones that aren't on the PBS, uh, it doesn't matter whether you've got a concession card or not, you pay the full amount. Some people who have, depending on your private health insurance cover, there's sometimes a prescription medicines section in your extras cover. And if it's a particularly expensive pill, so it tends has to be above that $30 price range, then sometimes your health insurance will cover that gap above $30. What's the biggest difference between those older pills that are PBS listed and these new ones that are on the market? I know that they all vary between each other as well, but what are the benefits of those newer ones that are not listed as opposed to those older ones? Excellent question. And that's really at the, the crux of it is, you know, which pill is better than the other? And the answer is that there's no set answer to it. It really is a discussion that women should have with their GP about 
what's going to suit them best. And just because a pill is older or cheaper doesn't mean it's worse. And actually, most of the time, if I'm starting women on the pill for the first time, we'll use one of the original pills that's been around forever in a day. And it, it works really effectively. And most women don't struggle with side effects. But we know that everyone's bodies is a bit different. And so sometimes there'll be women who we're using kind of the, essentially we're using the side effect properties of a pill to better match their symptoms. And sometimes using a different one is better. They're all effective as a contraception. But for example, some of them are probably a bit better at managing acne. And so you might put someone on a different pill if they also have quite a lot of acne to help settle that down. There's a couple that are probably have some evidence they might be a bit better for women who have mood disorders around their period or who struggle a lot with abdominal symptoms and bloating. And so we might target things that way. To be honest, often you're splitting hairs. And so I do think in the first instance, particularly if price is a really sensitive point, that women shouldn't panic too much about whether they're on the fanciest, newest pill. The old ones are just as good. Should we be considering pushing our government to make contraception free for women like they've done in many other countries, Belgium, Norway, the Netherlands, France, even the UK does to some point? Should we be pushing our government to look at free contraception for Australian women? We're really encouraging Australia to make a contraception accessible and affordable and there are a lot of things we can do in that space. For example, I mean, even things like putting in uh, intrauterine contraceptive devices, which are long-acting and reversible and really good quality contraceptives. We know that meeting, while the medication itself is quite affordable, the insertion process is really expensive for women. So we are talking to government on options of how do we make that more accessible and affordable. At the moment, the government does have a Women's Health Advisory Committee operating and expect that a lot of these questions are going to be coming to that group uh, and seeing what government can do to, to make it more accessible and affordable. And said, remembering it's not just about the pill, we should really be having bigger discussions in this country about some of those longer acting methods because certainly we're behind on a worldwide scale. We use the pill far more than other similar countries do. There is recorded evidence of just how impactful women accessing affordable contraception can be on a community. Aside from all but removing the possibility of an unwanted pregnancy, the introduction of the oral contraceptive saw a huge spike in women accessing further education, of entering and staying in the workforce, and of earning higher wages. Access to contraception is also linked to improved maternal and child health outcomes, enabling women to plan and delay pregnancy until they're ready. The children of women who have access to affordable contraception have been proven to have better educational outcomes themselves. Removing barriers to contraception also saves taxpayer dollars, with women not needing to seek medical care for an unwanted pregnancy. Danielle says ensuring Australian women continue to have access to affordable options is vital. Oh, the, the benefits of contraception just can't be overstated. It's been the greatest medical breakthrough of the previous generation was letting women take control of their child planning practices and it means women can 
be in control of not just their family planning but also women with troublesome menstrual cycles. We can use the pill or other contraceptives to really manage that, which means people stay at work and not having as many days off if they've got conditions like endometriosis or other health conditions. It really just gives control back to women. And we know that unplanned pregnancies are so distressing and can be expensive and it's certainly like a lot of things in medicine prevention is better than cure and so we know that contraception is just such a key part of an effective healthcare system we are lucky that in Australia we do have a variety of options available and generally fairly affordable but we can always obviously do better. The Quickie is produced by myself Claire Murphy and our executive producer Callie Borg with audio production by Jacob Round.